You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. So, welcome back to Medically Unbiased. My friend Ron. Ron's joining us today on the podcast. Going to give us a little bit of wisdom and enlightenment. I mean, I think we're going to have like 15 or 20 minutes of uh, important data packed into about an hour of uh, show here. What do you think? I'm thinking, let's do this. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so you have some things you're going to bring up today. Um, well, you didn't read an article. How'd this go? <laughs> you didn't read the article, but you saw the headline on what? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Come on. Where'd you hear it? Uh, I did get an email. Oh, oh, oh. Probably the same email that you got. I probably did as well. It's all about knowledge. And (laughs) it seems like all of our uh, ANCC and JAMA and all of those people really like to keep us informed, even though they change their mind constantly on all this COVID shit. Yes, because this is what we want to talk about today, right? Well, yeah. Some COVID action. Yeah, that's... uh, that is the problem, right? COVID seems to be the topic. If it's not, if it's not riots, which seems to have cured COVID. Yes. In a way. Because you, social distancing is important unless you're rioting. Well, you're wearing masks, so you, you should be safe. <laughs> well, Fauci said masks aren't important. Remember, Fauci said masks are not important in like February. He said, don't wear them. He's on 60 minutes. He literally was on 60 minutes and said not important. The World Health Organization recently said masks are not important if you're healthy. So, and most rioters are quite healthy. I, they, I think so. They still want to feel safe, right? Well, yeah, that's true. You know, and this isn't to say that the protests are, I mean, don't get me wrong. We'll talk about that too. I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room that is the murder of a man by the police, but we'll discuss that in a little bit. Sure. So, what did you want to bring up? What's the article? So the article was by Medscape. Okay. Um, asymptomatic COVID-19 spread deemed rare by WHO. So do we believe the WHO at this point? Because they initially told us that this wouldn't, uh, this wouldn't actually transmit person to person. Or they were misinformed. But it's the WHO. Right? Are, so are they now being led around... I mean, if, were they there? Were they there at the no, I'm saying, outbreak initially? I'm saying if the or w, were they just told? If the WHO is being told something, shouldn't they be the ones able to make the determination whether it's true or not? So if I just tell you something, you're like, oh, yeah, I take it as fact. That's definitely it's a fucking WHO. I think they should be the ones telling us, not being dictated to. Because if, if we're listening to the WHO and they're being told by someone else, we need to go to that person <laughs> who's telling them the shit. Who is that person? Who is that person? Yeah. Is that an entity? Is it a country? Is it a you know group of people? Or is it one guy like Fauci? Is he, <laughs> di- is he dictating to the world health organization, how this is supposed to go? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, what I do know is that WHO either investigated or attempted to investigate or was given misinformation and just took their word. Right. But you know what I think is funny and just seeing these, these articles, just articles in general, when Mm -hmm. you read about them is 
all these things are coming out months and months and months after the fact, but weren't we, or weren't China, even the United States, weren't we like investigating COVIDs and trying to figure out what they do? And like, shouldn't we have some knowledge on some of this? Well, we do. So you go back to SARS one. Yeah. Go back to SARS one and the CDC says that they estimate that it's spread airborne. Oh, in the CDC's data, uh, if you pull it up on the website, on the CDC's website, you can pull up the information. It actually shows that they believe, they say, we believe SARS-CoV, there was only SARS-CoV, it wasn't one or two, it was just SARS-CoV at the time, now they call it one, mm-hmm. uh, is spread by airborne methods. So they thought that it was airborne, not particulate or not a droplet, excuse me and be had to be aerosolized. They literally estimated it was airborne. Now the benefit of SARS-CoV-1 was that you got really sick really fast so they could identify who was a carrier of the disease immediately and then isolate that person. This one, there's an incubation period or there's asymptomatic spreaders. So that's the question, right? Are they truly spreading the virus around? Getting sick, and that brings us back to your article. Mm-hmm. You know, well, not mine personally. Not okay. You didn't definitely write something it. I, I I read. Yeah, you didn't write it. <clears> that you know. out of like out of they did some research, and they pulled some test groups together at various New York, Italy, um, mm-hmm. San Francisco, and they were finding about half or upwards of half don't even have symptoms, and they're not really even spreading. So they're really focused on the ones that do have symptoms or pre-symptoms is where the spread comes into. So you actually have to have symptoms before you're spreading the disease. At least that's the gist of that that would fit with the COVID one. Yeah. I mean, that fits the narrative from the original coronavirus. It takes, I I think it makes it less scarier, right? That because I think that's the biggest thing why everyone's wearing masks. Right. Or wear your mask, you know, you're 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 to wear a mask. I think you you said it before is that I used to wear a mask to protect me from somebody that I'm caring for. Right. So so we work in in hospital, right? Yeah. And at some point in time in the recent history since this hall started, masks have become this Karen freak out situation. There are li- people don't know who Karens are. Go to any social media, look it up. You'll find a bunch of Karens. My point is, is that there's Karens out there that are worried that because you're not wearing a mask, you are going to kill everybody. You're killing people because you're not wearing a mask. I'm not, I'm dragon breath. Shit. I th- I've had people with halitosis that might've killed me Yeah. in the past. I think maybe they should have wore a mask. Don't get me wrong. Like block some of that stench, <laughs> get your teeth fixed there, you know, weirdo. But what? <laughs> It's true. Yes. No, I agree. Yes. But when it comes down to me wearing a mask, I used to wear a mask and I still do to this day. I wear a mask to protect myself. Patient has tuberculosis or rule out tuberculosis, possible tuberculosis, the flu, any airborne precautions that are taken. I wear a mask to protect me from the patient. Mm -hmm. At no point in time in history has it been. You have to wear a mask to protect me from myself because I'm afraid of you. That's never been. Now, all of a sudden, that's the standard. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. And it's very difficult. 
for me to wrap my head around a lot of it. Cause you know, I go out and about, uh, yeah. I, I have children. I, I, I go to places and I don't, I'm not wearing a mask. Me either. And I see other people wearing masks. I mean, to each their own, if that's what they really want to do. I mean, absolutely. I don't judge them. If they want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But I feel, well, Hey, I feel I'm not sick. And (laughs) reading this article, even if I was sick, but don't have symptoms, am I really going to spread it? I don't know. Now, it seems to be that if that article is true and if the research data is true from what they say, no, the answer is no. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel pretty good not not wearing a mask when I'm out and about. The dilemma is I don't believe at this point in time there's any faith (laughs) across the country in the medical community. I think we as a as a group whether we're I'm from the now the provider side, you know, and whether it's the provider side or the caregivers, like wherever we fit in the medical narrative, I think the general public all thinks we're a bunch of lying buffoons because of a few bad apples. I mean, that sounds weird to talk about the few bad apples because of what's happening in the world right now. But my point is that there are a few doctors who've come out and been all, yeah, it's going to cause this. Oh, no, no, it's not going to do that. I've changed my mind. Uh, Again, I'm changing my mind. I think Fauci's changed his mind five times. I think we'll still see changes. We will as we learn something. But some of that is the nature of medicine. We, as we learn, science changes. People believe, and the general public believes, that we are all coming off an assembly line at Ford. And when things break, we're all fixed the same way. High blood pressure, everyone gets the same drug. Mm-hmm. Pancreatitis, everyone gets the same treatment. Gallstones, everyone gets the same treatment. You know, yet they want to be treated as individuals. Yeah. So you want me, and troubleshooting in the medical community is difficult because you, I argue or talk to the, my patients about this. So if you're going to troubleshoot a light bulb in your bedroom that doesn't work, First thing you check is you check that the light bulb didn't burn out. That's the most obvious first step. Mm-hmm. You check light bulb, put in a new light bulb. It doesn't work. You think you got a bulb light bulb, so you'll put in another one. You'll do it twice. Still doesn't work. Now you look to other options. Is it the the breaker? Did the breaker blow on the panel? Is the light switch broken in the box on the wall? Did the a rat eat the wire? That's like the least probable. Yeah, but it's still a plausible right so here when we're applying what it could be we start with the most lethal (laughs) generally in the medical community we're like most lethal if chest pain well it could be because you were doing 100 push-ups but we're gonna think you have a heart attack so we're gonna test you for all sure or the meth you had the night or it could be the meth but i only do meth on tuesday so stop (laughs) right oh shit it's tuesday no (laughs) i gotta do my meth (laughs) damn it no, I'm saying that we look at most lethal first. Yeah. And the lethal is one or two or three things generally. Is it, you know, heart attack, stroke, trauma, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not those and we've ruled those out, now all of a sudden we open up a plethora of other possibilities because for whatever reason, chest pain can be caused by a lot of stuff. So now that it's not lethal, what is it? And now the medical community is like, well, uh, you got fibromyalgia. <laughs> they go, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta put a diagnosis with something, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah, we have to put a diagnosis there. But the point is, is we go down the line, down the line, down the line, and 
people who've experienced this in the in their personal diagnosis, trying to find an answer to something mm-hmm. that have struggled to get an answer, understand that this is not a one size fits all. Those people hate it. They've struggled. Some people finally get a diagnosis and it's years down the road, but they struggled to get it. And they understand that they started here and now they're, you know, 17 doctors later and 14 million tests later and thousands of dollars in debt later, they finally have a diagnosis for their problem. So with this one particular issue, it was a brand new thing. Nobody had seen. We were throwing shit up at the wall to see what stuck. And But you say nobody has seen it, but weren't, like I said, weren't there companies, I mean, looking into this particular virus? I mean, yeah, how do they, how they not have done any of the, like, the lifespan of this virus? How do they not do any of that stuff? Like, the basic stuff. Right. Like that stuff, the that viro- information. The virology yeah, data. Right? right. Why did they not do that? Or- what's it susceptible to? What's, how yeah. long is it? So it's really funny. How did the, where did the article go that said it lived for 72 hours on plastic? It lived for 48 hours on stainless steel. And it lived I, for 24 hours on copper. Yeah. Right. Which most things don't live, but a couple hours on copper. Or something like that? Yeah, a few. I can't remember because that's not my yeah. area specialty. But unless it's C. diff, it lives in bleach forever. Like, bleach doesn't even kill C. diff. But my that's sporulated. Yeah. You know? But this was like, fomites live but on surfaces. I, that research has already been done. Correct. It's out there. Just nobody's divulging it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Like, we should have... That's the stuff that we... Like, why are we hearing four months later, oh, um... COVID lasts 28 minutes outside or some number. Yeah. Some arbitrary number. Yeah. Like where did that come from? Where'd that come from? Did they not test it in a lab to see under heat, certain heat conditions under UV light under this or that? It came from a lab. Correct. So how do we not have the data? It's funny you say that people are, nope, it came from a wet market. Someone ate a bat. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, don't get me wrong. I, I know people eat crazy foods all over the world, but I really don't believe somebody just spontaneously ate a bat and then developed this and it spread to everybody. Yeah. You know, and there's good evidence in the ethos right now that it came, it wasn't weaponized. This wasn't created to try and hurt anybody. It was an accident, accidental yeah. discharge, if you will, of a virus, right? Oops. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We've, uh, yeah. Thanks, China. No, <laughs> I mean, really, this is an accident that left the lab. And if that's the case, that's the case. We have to deal with it. We are where we are. Sure. But again, you're saying if this was being studied, which it appears that it was being studied. Yeah. Then we need to find out what they do know. And I don't know that we have that data because they burned up all the samples. China oh, destroyed all the original samples of this virus that was in the lab. And they destroyed all the research data that was available, putting us. And supposedly they killed some people. Yeah, that is a story. That is a story. Some scientists. Yeah. Yeah. Which. So I uh, guess you can't do fact checks. Correct. Makes it a little difficult for a jammer to write that next article with uh, two or three sources. Right. Sources unknown. (laughs) Sources deceased. The sources deceased. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating for me when it comes down to this because people, patients ask me all the time, what do you think? And I've, I don't know about you, but I've been all over the map 
with the, what do I think? Yeah, I can, I've been asked that from day one. What do I think? Mm-hmm. What, you know, in the beginning I was like, ah, shh, who cares? No big deal. That's fair because I was the same way. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to worry about this. It's, I took it like Ebola. Yeah. We overblew and worried about Ebola and it never was a thing. Yeah. So I thought this was similar. Yeah. Until people I knew started catching it. Right. And then it comes a little bit more personal. Oh, then, fair enough. And then you're just like, okay, well maybe it's kind of a bigger thing than it, than we thought. You know? Right. Cause I don't think flu and more people over the years have died of flu than this, obviously, cause this is just for four months, but nobody sees flu as a death sentence unless right. you're that one person that is really sick with flu. You know, I guess, but nobody, nobody's shut down the world's economy. No, but this flu season, people have used that argument that this is no more, uh, virulent than the flu. Yeah. I would argue that it's more so because of the volume of people that died. If you take a week, just one week worth of data at the peak of coronavirus outbreak here in the U S it was, you know, hundreds of times worse. 570 people died like the second week of April, but 14,000 people from flu and then 14,000 people died from coronavirus that week. Now was a coronavirus and flu? No combo. Can you have both? You can. Yes. And that number is available as well. And I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I could pull it up. Yeah. So that number is available also. And I'm using, again, here we go with the medical mystery crap again. So I'm using the information directly from the CDC's website. And that's all based on death certificate information. But then there's this crazy thought out there that death certificates are being manipulated because hospitals are getting more money. So people are dying of coronavirus when really it was a, you know, traumatic injury or some stuff they're saying that and then they're also saying that uh coronavirus wasn't actually the the cause for every single thing and it's being mishandled by the cdc the data is being mishandled by the cdc and misreported so there's questions about the data so i'm just going the problem is you can't find one source of accurate data out there yeah Johns Hopkins has a great website, look very a visual representation of the globe and you can click on each country and it tells you who's got what, who's dying, who's sick. Problem with that is that it doesn't match the CDC's numbers. <laughs> it's it's by, the CDC's either behind or Johns Hopkins has predicted stuff that's not happened yet. I don't know where they're getting their info because they don't give a source. Yeah. Wikipedia's information is different than both of those. And it's what's being Google's reported too, right? Like, so the states report somewhere. They got to report all that data. Yeah, they re- that's why the CDC, I, that's why I go to the CDC's numbers because they have to receive that information. Yeah. That goes into the Bureau of National Statistics, which shows who died of what. That's how we know at the end of the year, how many heart, you know, how many people died of heart disease, how many people died of cancer, accidental death um, from any cause, groundings. Like all of those things are, listed in that database and coronavirus has now got its own little line item. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's right. You know, it's graduated to its own line item. Very special. So again, I using the CDC's data, there is pneumonia is a, a secondary, a separate item, but then coronavirus and pneumonia is a thing because generally you have pneumonia when you got coronavirus. So you're saying pneumonia alone, coronavirus and pneumonia, 
But no matter how I add up those numbers, they still don't add to the through the CDC's website. They still I still can't find a way to calculate the number that Johns Hopkins has on their site or that Google has or that CNBC or MSNBC or Fox or any. Yeah. Everyone seems to have their own number. It's all manipulated. So, again, we we look like a bunch of idiots to the general public because we don't have one. Even the National Institutes of Health, we don't have one solid voice coming out and saying this is the information. Right. Yeah. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's frustrating because we see, I mean, we we're frontline workers. We see what's going on and we can't even, we can't even get the data that we need to fight, right. To uh, prepare, prep, whatever we, we, we can't get that data ourselves. Right. Um, or, or the data is out there, but it's out there in like, you know, 20 different locations, you know, good well, luck we're finding digging it. for it. Like I shouldn't have to freaking dig for data. Yeah. You know, if I want to treat a cardiac patient, you know, and do any cardiology stuff, I don't have to go digging for fucking data. I just pull up an article or study that's been done on it. Yeah. You know, American college of cardiology is really good about providing me with a ton of information yeah. on whatever I need to see. Well, maybe infectious disease will have more information. That would be nice. The problem is, is they're listening to Fauci and he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. He changes his mind well, tons he, of times. You know, in his defense, he hasn't developed a, the antibody yet to, <laughs> to patent it. To patent it. So <laughs> make some money off it, <laughs> which is sad. And then, you know, then they'll be saying they'll be, you know, screaming defund healthcare. Oh, yeah. Right. Be protesting. Yeah. If you just join us, we're talking with Ron Reitz. That's how we say it. Reitz. Sure. Sure. He's like, sure. Sure. Say Reitz. Um, nurse here in Las Vegas, Nevada, who's joined me today on the podcast, who's uh, discussing all things Corona and insane in the healthcare community. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Whatever's up, whatever's up on the next agenda. So my thing I want to bring up is uh, that Jaco wants to start coming back to the hospitals now. Mm-hmm. And bitching at nurses for having drink cups at the nursing station. Have they lost clout through this? Because they were gone. And they were completely absent. Absolutely. For four months. Or more. Yeah. They've yeah. been very silent. And in fact, there was a whole bunch of people beating up the CEO on Twitter from Jayco. Bunch, I don't know if they were nurses or just individuals. Like what, you know, follow anybody's links and dig into the history there. Yeah. But there was people very upset saying you have no power. There's nothing you can do. So my question is, is do they still have clout? I think from the hospital standpoint, they do because they still need their accrediting. Right. Jayco accreditation. Okay. So what does the Jayco accreditation get a hospital? What does that gain the average hospital? I would think uh, for Medicare, right? Medicare, Medicaid, all the billing, you mean billing purposes. I think you want to be Jayco certified. You need to be for that kind of, for money, right? But for for a critical disease that was out there, there was there was nobody around. It, now, let's put this in. Do you need to have Jayco certification? Because, like, I don't think. Tell me one place that doesn't have it. Hospital-wise, I don't know, but. Every think- hospital has to have it. Okay. Right? I don't know if they have to. Yeah, I think, well. I can bill for Medicare and I'm, my office isn't Jayco certified. That's true. 
but I think from a hospital standpoint, it maybe to. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to dig. You know what? We'll have to dig into that one. Let's dig into that one for the next podcast but, and but, find out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but let's put some perspective. Jayco sends what between one and five people, maybe right to a hospital, to a hospital, hospital to, to review and look at all of the potential yeah. infractions of, so technically when so. the government was, or when the, the, the United States was shut down, mm-hmm. right? What was the, what was the under 10 or less? So they could have easily brought one to five people into a hospital and still continued their, their surveying. Like they could have been there still doing what they do. I don't know if Jayco is that big of a deal of drinks uh, at the bedside or at the nurse's station. I think that's more of an OSHA thing. Than a Jayco thing, but nevertheless, they could have done their due diligence. We had to show up, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody said I can work from home. Would, no, but the, love C- to the CEOs didn't have to. Sh- no, no, no. True upper management had to show up. You didn't see CEOs or CNOs showing up, but they did, right? No, yeah, more mine did. Well, that's good. That's nice. So they not they all, were there. Not all of them did though. Yeah, I don't know about everybody. Many people like phoned it in. <laughs> you guys need to wear masks. How's that know? hospital doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a few weeks. I'm just making sure everything's good. No, I, I mean, I, I would hope that most, most CEOs of hospitals were still interacting with their, their people. I think they are. I mean, I don't know. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they are. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard any negative, you know sayings or anything like that that would lead me to believe that you know people were avoiding the hospital i I mean there were people avoiding the hospital don't get me wrong you know hospital census went from you know let's say you have an average hospital of 500 people you probably were down to 250 or something yeah i talked about 50 percent i talked about it a couple podcasts ago that stemmies are down globally they were down 80 Mm percent but what's up People are still having heart attacks. But what's up? Probably death at home, right? People from well, home. Possibly. Or people coming in with. Well, now, I, now I have, yeah, I have people coming in with severe cardiomyopathies. You know, not everyone, but I'm seeing patients that all of a sudden come in and they're super short of breath. And just six months ago, I did an echo and they were, yeah, for 65%, normal. Yeah. You know, relatively normal age appropriate echo. So I think we'll see statistics, some of these areas, you know, that usually got treated right away now start to rise because obviously it wasn't treated. People were afraid right. to come to the hospital. So that that explains why Jayco didn't come to the hospital to like. So here's the question. They are well known for bitching about some things that we in the medical field find absolutely asinine. Mm hmm specifically drink cups at the nurse's station. That is a bone of contention with, I think, every nurse that exists to the point where there's literally TikTok videos that show you how to hide. Yeah. In a, so if you cut the bottom off of a Sani wipe container, you can set the Sani wipe container over your Starbucks 20 ounce coffee, right? Nice. And hide it in plain sight. And it looks like a sandy wipe container. That's appropriate. But the coffee isn't. I, I don't. I just don't understand how me walking to. 
now even behind the station, you've got an area that's dedicated for drinks. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's a square where all you our can, drinks. You sit. can make the argument that any nurse's station is not patient care area. That's my point. Right? Yeah. It's not a patient care area. So why am I being dictated to by Jayco that I can't have a drink up there? Yeah. Penalized or being Fined forced or, to be dehydrated while working. Right. Where most nurses don't get time to get a drink anyway. Yeah. Because they're busy. So again, did Jayco lose credibility during this pandemic by not fighting for the staff to get the appropriate protective equipment that they needed in a lot of hospitals. We saw evidence of this across the board that nurses didn't have masks. People were sending and making masks. People were nurses were on different videos, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, begging for protective equipment. Michigan nurses walked out of the hospital because they didn't, or provided the appropriate medical, you know, protective equipment. Yeah. So if Jayco is supposed to be accrediting these hospitals and verifying that they're doing their job, why were they not out there verifying that these hospitals have the appropriate amount of protective equipment to have this situation happen in the future? Because this is going to happen again. There's going to be another, whether it's a pandemic or a, you yeah, know, COVID-20. <laughs> right. <laughs> COVID-22. Or SARS. COVID three or whatever, whatever they want to call it. I mean, I joked that COVID-19 is the amount of weight you're going to gain during the pandemic. I have to agree. <laughs> some people had a COVID 27. I'm just saying some people, uh, some people had a COVID five. It was all about perspective. Really? I think COVID numbers definitely went up from the weight perspective. <laughs> yeah. I think there was, and, and I, 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 from that you would see a lot of, you know, post-traumatic stress from it. Stress eating. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like I said, getting back to when we were talking about, you know, eh, it's no big deal or, eh, and as, as the, the disease progressed and the numbers started climbing and seeing New York blow up. Right. And, um, infection rates skyrocket. Yeah. I, I think it got real, you know, real fast. Oh, I think so too. I think it, for me personally in town, it got real when, the Las Vegas strip that's never closed. Never. Yeah. When they shut it down, all casinos, all gambling will cease on this day. We won't ever really know if doing that saved or, you know, saved more lives or not. That's the, that's the rub, right? Because everyone can say we saved people. Yeah. And then on the flip side, the counterpoint could be, well, it did nothing. You can't prove it either way. There's no proof. No, you can't. Because you didn't have a test group. There was no. Yeah. So people are going to argue, well, Sweden was a test group. They didn't close down. But Sweden also isn't stacked on top of each other like they are in New York. Yeah. New right? York. South Dakota didn't close down. South Dakota kept their you know livelihood going. But South Dakota is fairly sparsely populated. I mean, so Wyoming, they so didn't shut down. Wyoming didn't shut down either, right? There's only, what, 500,000 people in the whole state. There's more people. I grew up in Wyoming. There's more people asleep at the MGM Grand than any given <laughs> night than in my hometown, okay? So, yeah, that's a very sparsely populated community. And did we, that brings us to another question. Did we do things right? If we just blanket, again, I don't blanket treat all the patients the same way. Yeah. So why did we blanket treat the country the same way? If this is to happen in the future, we need to have a plan. How do we attack it? 
and or, or do we do this in the future again do we lock everybody down and i don't think that's the case i don't think you can lock everybody down because you can't treat the state of wyoming or south dakota or nebraska or whatever sparsely populated states like you treat new york where there's a high-rise building all of them breathing in the same ac you know the same central air yeah chicago chicago right any any densely populated area i don't think you can treat it the same i don't think nevada for sure got hit I think we expected it. Oh yeah, for sure. But, but I didn't feel like we were, you know, let's be honest for, for the people that live in Nevada or, or have born and raised in Nevada. I think you guys understand that we probably, we do, we're pretty good at social distancing just in ourselves. Like, yeah, we don't hang out with our neighbors for the most part, unless they (laughs) want to talk to us, but really we're not hanging out with people. We're going to work. We're coming home. Well, this, this city is very transient in yeah. its population, right? So to have close friends is one or two friends. Generally, it's not, there's not a lot of family oriented things happening here yeah. for the most part. Um, it's not like Wisconsin where there's Wisconsin Dells and there's all these like family oriented specific things happening yeah. on any given and even day. Even if you wanted family oriented specific things happening, right? It's 120 degrees outside. In the summer when the kids are out of school, absolutely. So it's it's nobody's going outside. No one's going outside. Right. They're staying in. They're, right. They're they're I mean, today was a, a rarity. Today was like high of like 80 something. Yeah, it was a perfect day. It was beautiful, right? Absolutely. But I heard my neighbor's air conditioner going on. <laughs> okay, there And you didn't see your neighbor. I didn't see my neighbor now. <laughs> right. But I heard it. Cause my windows were open. Yeah. Cause I enjoy the weather. Yes. But his wasn't so yeah. perfect social distancing, I mm-hmm. think. But I think we're just naturally that way anyway, you yeah. know, but again, the question became early on was somewhere like CES, the trade show in Las Vegas, a super spreader. So yeah. CES was in January for people who don't know the listen to this show for both of you to listen to this show. CES is the consumer electronics show and it is the largest electronics <laughs> for the both people that are listening. Okay. I'm just for the helping two out there for the, for the two we of you might have one or two more, just so you know. Yeah. For the two of you that know that this show even exists, I'm just going to let you know what CES is. It's a large electronics show. Tens of thousands of people show up to this show from all over the world and they come here in January and it's, all the electronics companies, Sony, Samsung, Apple, name them. They're here to promote their newest and coolest and most awesome equipment, right? So people from all over the country come to see what's new. Salespeople from, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, like all these places around the country show Or people from China. And a lot of people from China <laughs> are here. Yeah. Now, if this was in Wuhan and spreading, like they estimate that it was, and they didn't tell anybody about it, those people or Chinese people were sick possibly and here. Yeah. Now were they asymptomatic carriers and now the world health organization <laughs> says it's not an issue. Does it go back to the beginning of this conversation? Sure. Does the world health organization say it's, you know, if you're asymptomatic, you're not a good spreader. So was it an issue? I think CES was a big spread of this disease. Now Vegas will never investigate that Vegas will never say that happened. And why? Why would Vegas never say that? Because do you think for a minute, if the mayor came out and said, well, 
CES was a known major event and it spread COVID all over the country, right? There would never be another trade show in this town ever. Yeah. They're not going to. Tourism would fall to nothing. Yeah. They're not going to bite the hand that feeds them, right? No, hell no. no. They're not going to tell anybody about that. No. But I do believe that it's plausible. Anyone who's been to a trade show, if you're out there listening to this, all both of you, if you've been to a trade show, you know that you go to a trade show and then you come home and you're like, I've been sick for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You're shaking hands, you know, kissing babies, you know, running around, talking to people in close proximity. And you're meeting new people from all over the country in a trade show. Whatever yeah. the trade show is. I don't give a shit if it's in Dallas or here or where. And you're going and you're going to the trade show most likely because you've bought tickets or your company needs your, you know, your expertise. Right. I don't think you're bailing out on that kind of stuff if you're a little under the weather either. Like, I know you're expected to be there. Yeah. So if there's a little like if you have a little cold, you still go. Because you're someone if you're there, you're not the person that's there that doesn't show up for work. Yeah. You got sent to a trade show because it's a cost to a company to send you. Yeah. Right. So if you went to a trade show, you're someone who shows up all the time. So you're someone who's going to be reliable. So the question is, is how many people that went to that went to the trade show actually lived in Nevada, though? Because our numbers are relatively low, right? Right. That's a good or question. lower. I mean, you know, I would think that if they're interacting with each other, they're interacting with people from outside of Nevada. Mm-hmm. I think the workers that came in and, and set up the trade shows are already long gone. But they're here. They live here. There's a whole union of people but who then set you, the trade show. Yes, but they're but they're not at the trade show while the trade show is going on. No, 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 no. They're there pre like tourism yeah. and post tourism. So the so the question would be is those people Really, the ones who would have gotten affected, which I would like to know, like statistically, was it more? Do we see a higher level of, say, um, dealers versus or housekeepers or mm, as being sicker than actually? Because it's the only way you're going to get it right. So you'd have to be in contact within zero to three feet. No mm-hmm. one wearing a mask. Right. Which they Actively wouldn't, coughing. Which they wouldn't have been doing if you're at a blackjack touching table. Touching your hands or you're your at a nose. poker table. Sure, touching the cards. Right? Yeah, chips. Just, so, just riffle through a stack of chips at a poker table. Yeah. So how many how many actual, you know, casino workers or healthcare, I mean, not healthcare. Uh, um, housekeeping. EVS, yeah. Yeah, housekeeping. housekeeping. Um, you know, caught it or had it. Right. That would have then brought it home. Well, obviously that's that a concern because the the hotels aren't opening pools or clubs this year. Yeah, well, all summer, so it's going to be 120 eventually. Yeah, July. But there's no way that virus lives in 120. I I don't I know. Do they study that shit? So you got 120 degrees, and you've got uh, UV, and you've got hot weather outside, and you've got you know a bunch of people in a chlorinated pool, <laughs> and uh. We're not going to open because of coronavirus. Yeah, that's stupid. Fair enough. But that's what they said. So, again, all of this goes back to my point of, I think there was a potential that trade shows here in town and around the country. But how do we trace that? Do we go back and see, do we look at the list of people who showed up and bought tickets to the show, call all of them and say, hey, did you test positive for coronavirus? They would have if they tested positive like if they were still in town 
like mm-hmm. in the beginning. Okay. In the beginning, Southern Nevada was calling those people that were positive and they were probably most likely asking, you know, who's living in their house. I know they are. They have called people tracing. Yeah, they were doing, they were doing tracing, Mm -hmm. but you know, when they got it to, because it's like 14, you know, it could be up to two weeks later, right? Correct. Before you even experience symptoms. Yeah. Which is crazy to even think. So two weeks later, I mean, 90% 90% of those people are, are relatively gone anyways. Well, I don't know that it's that crazy. HIV was that way. HIV, when they came, when it was first there and it's still that way, you could be a carrier of HIV for months before you ever yeah. experience symptoms. You can, be, you can be a carrier of the virus long before it's expressed in any sort of manner on you. But it's still crazy. It's still odd or whatever. I mean, HIV is not spread airborne. Let's, yeah, let's square that away right now. Yeah, I'm not saying that that at all. So when it comes to airborne or micro particulate based yeah. <laughs> transmission, uh, yeah, that's probably a unique situation. You know, 14 days, like it's, you, you may not even be in, you may not even be in Vegas anymore or any other trade show place at that time. You're gone from there. That, but I guess that's my point. Is so let's say people came here and there was someone who was sick at the trade show. And now one person came in contact with 200 people that day at the trade show. And they infected a 50% ratio. So that's 100 people that are infected. But they got two weeks. They don't know. And they leave the trade show and they go back to Iowa or. Okay. So the question is, did pneumonia increase in January? Did we get, because remember, COVID can produce pneumonia. Maybe some various, opacities. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. So what were the, because now they're not going to be. First off, those people won't be diagnosed as, as COVID at all. Right. Because we didn't know it existed. Correct. In the United States at that time. That's happened with a lot of people. They come out and they have now titers, right? They've yeah. done a titer and they have the, the they're positive for titers, but they don't, they, they say they were sort of sick, had a low grade temperature, didn't feel good in January, but that's the only time they didn't feel good or early February. Yeah. So that being said, you know, you have those people that, that, you know, was pneumonia higher, you know, statistically speaking was pneumonia higher in January or December than it ever really was prior to. But these people may not have went into the hospital for getting and get a chest x-ray to determine if they even had that, if they were that sick. No, right. But I'm saying you could be an asymptomatic carrier of the disease. Yeah. But then you wouldn't spread. it was according to, according to 50%. the WHO. Yeah, 50%. Okay, 50%. Right? So, but they might not have spread it to anyone else, but they might have been an asymptomatic carrier. Or, I don't know, let me throw this out here, just, you know, a little curveball. Maybe you just never get it. Right. Well, there's that right? too. How many people actually, I, I know a few people that have been around it, been in it, been with people that have had it. Without protective equipment. Without protective equipment and have no carriers, no titers, nothing. Never got it. Mm-hmm. But have been in really close proximity to very sick people. Yeah. Not knowing that they were COVID. At the time. At the right. time. Right? Right. How many people just didn't get it? Like, what's the what's those numbers? See, why aren't we testing that person, to, those people, to find out what's their DNA? How What do they have that keeps them from getting it? Yeah. You never I mean, hear anybody talk about that. No, you don't. You're right. You're right. But there are people out there whose family member was sick before they went to the hospital 
because they were sick enough to have to want to go to the hospital or or not or called 911 and they took them to the hospital well i'm saying or they were sick and they just dealt with it at home no i'm just looking at a subset of people i'm saying take a a group of people whose family member was sick and went to the hospital to be treated for COVID. They were sick enough to want to go to the hospital and they weren't like isolating themselves from their family member. No, I wouldn't assume they thought, you know, two weeks before they got really sick, I might've been exposed. I should probably stay in my own room and create a negative pressure area. So no one in my house gets it. Yeah. They were still getting stuff from the fridge and sitting on the couch and watching TV and scratching their balls and doing everything. So these people were still functioning like normal human beings. And then wives were sleeping. Husbands were sleeping in the same beds yep. and they got really sick and went to the hospital, but the spouse doesn't come down or the children, whatever, don't come down. And they, it. at that time they were visiting them in the hospital, right? Correct. They were coming in and visiting everybody early mm-hmm. on, early right? on. And they don't have, and they weren't wearing protective equipment when they came at the time. Nope. Now, now you can't even walk past the front door without being accosted by someone with a thermometer. Yes. And I keep arguing, well, if I'm if I'm an asymptomatic carrier, I don't have symptoms. That thermometer's not going to tell you anything. And it's wrong 98% of the time anyway. Yeah. That fucking thermal probe thing. Especially when it's hot out. Correct. I haven't checked my coffee. For some people. Every morning I make them check my coffee. Wait a minute. Is this a, is this a vantage though? For some people that are working, going to work, they also get their temperatures taken. Okay. So if it was a high, if you just chilled in your car, yes, with the air off okay. for a little bit, yes. even though you're not supposed to, okay, came into work and they took your temperature as 100.4, <laughs> you get to go home, right? Ooh, that's awesome. Get to go home. You I, didn't hear this from me. Now, how many? I'm planning on doing that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm not doing. It. But how many people actually? You know, how many times is this? Uh, is this the new? thermometer on the light bulb thing from when we were children yeah right <laughs> when mom would say we're gonna take your temperature and she'd stick that mercury thermometer in your under your tongue who hasn't done that right and you'd stick it on the light bulb next to your bed she's like you don't have 127 temperature <laughs> dang it dang it i gotta go to school is that is this the new that i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> you know if you wanted to get out of work i mean all you have to do is just be running a temp right of some but that's out of work for two, <laughs> two weeks. You only got to accomplish it one time yeah. and you get a two week quarantine, right? Woo-woo. Yeah. People out there, nurses across the country will be out of work for the next couple of weeks. They, uh, now there's been nurses out of work for legit. Yes, right? Absolutely. And they, yeah. and God, God bless them for doing what they did and working under the conditions. Because I tell you this, I would have freaking walked from half of these facilities most any facility that tells me I'm not getting the correct proper PPE to treat yeah. my patient, I would have walked. I'm sorry, I will not taking care of patients. Now, the average person will they say, "Oh my gosh, that's horrible, Tyler. Why would you not want to treat patients?" And my argument is that if I'm sick and or dead from this disease, because at the true. early on we didn't really know. Yeah. So if I die, my family members are not taken care of. My wife now has to go get two jobs to support us, to support the kids. I have young kids. Who's going to help them down the line? I'm really no help to any future patients I might have treated because now I died. And that's just stupid. That's sad. It's sad. And it's it's ignorant is what it is because I am 
first of all, firefighters don't walk into a fire in their shorts, right? They like put on turnouts and bunker gear and fire retardant suits before they go into the fire. Now, there's always someone's going to argue. Well, there's that one video where that guy saved a kitty cat from. Okay, so one guy. Sure. There's always one, right? The canary. There's one canary (laughs) willing to fly into the mine to test it, right? And that's where the term comes from. They used to make a canary. If it came out of the mine and lived there, there was no CO2 gas in the mine, right? Or carbon monoxide, excuse me. Yeah. Not carbon dioxide. Um. So yeah, there's. I'm not going to be the canary. I'm sorry. You can no, but I also think CDC in the beginning was quite. They didn't know what. I they didn't know what people should really be wearing. Right. So let's look at the minimums. That's what we should do. So I don't know what it is. We should go with minimums. Well, or maybe they knew, but they knew that we just didn't have the protective equipment that was needed. You know, let's be honest. The the all hospitals have protective equipment. The question is, how many of those, how much of that equipment was actually utilized correctly, meaning for a positive COVID versus, oh, I'm going to bring some masks home for my family. Like how many, th- how much of that stuff walked out of the hospitals? Because a lot of da- things do. I, you know, I'm not, first of all, I'm not accusing anyone specifically of this at all. No, but. But we all know, we know that stuff walked out. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, it did, but did CDC, did they know in the beginning that the, we did not have, when I say we, I say the United States did not have enough PPE. Yes, they knew because China in December purchased every N95 from all us manufacturers available. They purchased all the N95s from Australia, the UK, Italy, France, who else makes them? South America. Um, there's an article out in, I don't remember if it was in Forbes or where I read it, but they purchased N95 masks from every manufacturer across the globe in December. And denying that it wasn't transmittable human to human. That's my point. They denied that. And then the WHO echoed that sentiment in January that it's not transmittable human. So I think 3M can produce on a monthly, weekly, as a weekly basis. I remember it was like 15 million masks. It was a crazy number high, but they were already ordered and (laughs) to be sent out to China. They were sending to Italy. Italy got hit really hard. Yeah. So everything that they were making was all pre pre ordered. Correct. That's what I was told or what I read. I should say. So everything was pre-ordered. So they, they were backlogged. They were already back ordering yeah. or on a back order schedule at the time. Yeah. When they so why did the general public or the, the government not go, hmm, this is interesting. China's buying all these masks. That's just weird. We can't even get any now. Why can't we get any five masks? I think we were saying that, right? Not until I think everyone late. was not until it was too late. I Nobody think, said it in January. Not in January, but I'm saying but that's at, at some point everybody was like, uh we're, Where is our masks? Well, right, because uh, hospitals operate on the just-in-time method of supply chain dynamics, right? Yeah. So the just-in-time method is kind of like Amazon for the average person, right? So Mm -hmm. most suppliers will say, I guarantee you that I can get you product within 48 hours of you needing it. So these 
supply chain managers in the hospital would say we're low on our average usage is X amount of masks on the month of January and we're utilizing about that much. I need to order this many. And it wasn't until March when all of a sudden their supply chain was not available. Yeah. And a bunch of assholes puckered at the time because they went, wait, I don't stock that many. Our hospital doesn't stock that many, you know, and we're using just in time economics to keep our stockpile low. Yeah. And now I can't get my just in time delivery. So now it's a problem. It was a big problem, right? Yeah, it was a big problem. So I think that's what prompted companies to start making new. So when it comes to masks, I think that's one good thing that's come out of the coronavirus thing. There's a lot of good stuff that came out of this. Honestly, mm-hmm. if we really want to delve into the good, like we've talked a lot about the bad and the negative, sure. there's been good. So some of the good is I think mask manufacturers need to find out where some of these people have been making masks and look at the shape of their mask. There's some pretty cool shaped masks that seem to be better coverage than your square surgical mask or your stereotypical N95 round mask. Yeah. There's been some cool, I've seen cool designs and these are designs from whether it be a little old lady in her sewing machine or, you know, some young person being creative with their ideas. Other companies out there have made really small and compact stuff. So it's easy to reuse and wash and other people have attempted to make cool stuff and it came out crappy, but Mm -hmm. it's fostered a really good discussion about, I think, we could have a discussion about mask size, appropriateness, functionality, because I don't know. I mean, maybe the surgical masks, it's just efficient to run it through the machine as a square and you suck it up and deal with it when you get it, make it fit <laughs> you. But some of these masks are pretty cool when I see them at Costco or, you know, grocery store or whatever. People or, wearing them. Or, yeah, or on people's faces walking around. That's with what them. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. People wearing them. I, I just today I walked by somebody. They had a... Um, they had a hockey team on their mask. And I'm like, oh, that actually looks good. Like, not just aesthetically. Right. Right. Um, also, the shape of it. That's my just point. Just kind of, it tapered. It just really looked good. Oh, yeah. Fit them properly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. See, I. that's why you have three sizes of masks. <laughs> You've got small, medium, and large. Sometimes extra large for N95s. And you have the shitty duck bill ones that no one fits in. Yeah. And you've got the round giant 3M ones that no hospital purchases. Yep. And so you're stuck with twisting the bottom of the mask, trying to tighten it up around your face. So you those can, are the worst. Those are the absolute worst. So you can read that thing in your... So for people who don't know and don't work in the medical community, you have to be fit tested for an N95 to properly fit you. You literally have to have the right size mask. So everyone out there running around buying N95 masks... Um, you might be wasting your time because it might not actually be doing what you think it's doing. And we've seen evidence of that from uh, people. You guys scratch your freaking nose and you pull the mask down around your face and you smell the candle in the grocery store and you put it back or smell the fruit or whatever. And you put it back on it. Just you're wasting your time. But the point is that the masks are certain sizes. and You got to be tested for this. And when we get tested, there's this stupid saying that I think every hospital has the same annoying rainbow, blah, blah, gold pot of gold. Yep. You know, and if you've done it enough, you can almost memorize the damn thing. 
because you get fit tested every year to make sure that you didn't balloon up and gain a bunch of weight or lose a bunch of weight and change and you can fit in the same mask. So I think masks design, mask design needs to be addressed by manufacturers because there's some pretty cool looking stuff out there that I don't think they've actually seen or will, you know, it's not going to change, but I think it should. Yeah. You know, there's some cool stuff. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else good came from the whole pandemic. I mean, I guess, you know, I get if you want to talk about good things, I guess less pollution. Okay. Yeah. Three days. Happened. Right. Yeah. The, the three months. What Italy, the, was the, canals. the water to the canals mm-hmm. cleared up. Right. Yeah. That was cool. And supposedly, I mean, you know, it's sad to say, oh, hey, here's the, here's the good things. No, we, but there we, was, you have to look at the both sides of this, right? If it's unbiased, we have to look at the, at the good stuff as much as we look at the negative. Yes. I like if that. If we're being unbiased. It's true. Because we could look at the negative all day. That's really, it's really easy hey, to look at the negative. guess what? LA had no smog. Oh, wow. That's unique. That's huge. I don't know if I've ever seen LA without it. I've learned that the essential workers are not the slow drivers. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, what else was a positive from that? Well, you know, essential workers got paid, I suppose. Well, I mean, they, I don't, I think the essential versus non-essential people, that was a misconception. That's unfair. Yeah. Cause I truly believe hair salons are essential. Oh my goodness. I'm, yes. I'm a high maintenance kind of guy and I want my hair cut and I'm not good at doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want my hair cut. Right. And I think that that's. Like, how do you determine who makes that determination? You're not essential. But I do think there's going to come. So a lot of people worked from home. And a lot of businesses learned that they could work from home and be just as efficient. Yeah. And I think some businesses are going to see their bottom line is going to not change, but their overall cost for maybe space, you know, office space is going to be less because they can hire people and have them work from home. And these people will accomplish the job that they were already going to do. And they don't need to, you know, provide them with an office space. Yeah. Because real estate is expensive. You it's know, commercial expensive. real estate is expensive. So if you can provide at home, telemedicine became a bigger thing. Wish I had stock in that. Right. Zoom. Zoom calls. All of a sudden, Zoom's like, well, we got to double production and figure yeah. out what we're doing wrong. You know, because everyone's doing Zoom meetings. Tele- t- I think telemedicine's here to stay for good. Like this is, this was a good thing. Absolutely. For, for what happened. Yes. Like, this is another good thing. Yeah. Telemedicine is. I think it, it was essential. it was there, right? So there was, the availability of it existed prior, but the return on investment. So the payout was poor. Yeah. You know, if you saw a patient in the office for a level three office visit, you build a hundred and ten dollars for the visit or something. Right. And then if you saw a telehealth visit, you build 30 bucks. No one's going to see telehealth visits for 30 bucks. Yeah. Just not going to happen. But now pays the same. Yeah. And it should have. It should have because you were doing the same work. I mean, so there are things I can't do via telehealth. There's just things I can't manage. I have to see the patient. Sure. Like I can't. From a cardiac perspective. Yeah. Right. There are certain things that need to, you need to see. But But even my. That doesn't mean that you couldn't see like physically them. You can still see them through a camera. Right. right? So my wife had, you know, seen a doctor via telehealth before this all became telehealth. But it was hard to find that at the time. I think now 
you could very easily see any of your doctors via telehealth. Yep. Even our office ramped up and became telehealth savvy within the matter of weeks. We all had all of the practitioners and the doctors were capable of utilizing a telehealth service. We were able to log into computers and see patients via video chat. Now, the downside is that some of your patients, if they're elderly, may not be able to navigate the technology or be have access to it. Sure. My, you know, 80-year-old, five-year-old patient may not have no, a tablet. The, they have your office, though. They can come see me in the office. So office visits probably down, I would think. Office visits in April were down significantly. Yeah. But, but telehealth was up because it was new for us yeah. in our practice. Yeah. And I'm sure it was that way across the board for many different groups, right? So telehealth, you're right, I think is here to stay. And that's a benefit from this whole I think so. Absolutely. Know, pandemic. I think people learned that their teachers have lied to them about their children. Absolutely. I think the teachers tell you, oh, your kid is an angel and everyone loves them. And when in reality, your kid is not, an, my kid's not an angel. I've learned, I, I thought they were. The teacher told me they were when they were in school. You knew they weren't. Come on. Okay, I hypothesized. You I didn't have hope. evidence. You don't have evidence. You heard, oh, he's good. You know what, son? You're, I thank you. Thank you for being so good. But then now that they're home, here's the other thing. I don't want a teacher, though, coming now that, you know, I don't mean to offend teachers, but I don't want a teacher coming to me saying, how did it feel to take care of your child? For blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I didn't go to school to be a teacher. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's not my job. That's it's not my job. That's not what I do. I'm that, not I'm not a teacher. That would be like me going to them and saying, well, how did it feel to take care of your father at the end of his life? Yeah. And they'd say it totally sucked. Or your whole family, because they all were in lockdown, you had to take care of them. Like, come on. Now. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't you can't do it. Because, first of all, my kids is going to go back to school and not be able to do Common Core math. I'm just saying. <laughs> Common Core doesn't exist in our world. <laughs> Common gonna, Core is tough. He's going to do stereotypical, like, linear math. Vertical addition and subtraction. It, it makes sense. <laughs> well, it does because that's how we learned it. <laughs> if you only learned Common Core, you'd be a wizard at it. But I, I can't figure it out. Some of them, some of them I can kind of get. Yes. Some of them I don't understand where they're going with it. All I'm just like five minus two. That's all you got to do. It's but, it simple count. But I got to count put, your damn hands. You got one hand with five fingers on. You can start there. I could draw five boxes and two boxes. Like it, it makes no sense to me. By the time I drew all that shit, I could have like you know baked a pizza. Made a cup of coffee. I, I could have had a whole. Does, does meal. it gear though towards like algebra and stuff? Is that what it's gearing for? I think that's what it's gearing for. Probably, but again, it's above my pay grade because I didn't go to school to be a teacher. <laughs> no, <laughs> I went to school to take care of patients. Right? And that that's my point. I don't I don't necessarily want teachers to come back and say you know like that's not a good thing. Like that's not a good thing. No, but I do think after seeing this that they are owed a wealth of gratitude for what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, and I think that if we look at the riots, maybe they should be rioting, getting more money because they've, we all now would support them. Yeah. <laughs> we would say, Oh, absolutely. They need more money. Well, they have 30 kids to a classroom, one teacher, no aid. Um, yeah, insane. You have 30, you know, kids that can spread things. Right. Well, so how's that going to happen? That's the other thing. Going back to the COVID, they're going to, they're going to what change how many kids are in a classroom. So what we, now we need more teachers. I would hope so. 
to be honest with you, I would love to see the classroom sizes get smaller, but I don't so know. So that's a that's a good thing from the this pandemic. If that's what if they're classroom going. sizes get smaller in elementary and public school in general, yeah. that means the teacher has more time to spend with each individual child and yes. they're not spread as thin. And they would know that my kid is not an angel. Well, I think my I think my son is paying off the teacher to tell <laughs> them that he's an angel. Tell me, excuse me, that he's an angel. Because, uh, I mean, he's a good kid. But yeah, but a I, good, I a, razz him for being not a being, but he's a good kid. Yeah, but I, a good thing would be more teachers, you know, for for less kids in a classroom. That's yeah, huge. Absolutely. Um. So, so like I say, again, when we look at the good stuff that came out of the pandemic, there is the potential for some good stuff. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't think all of it was good. Obviously, we've went over some of the bad and some of the good, but I do think there was good. And I think if we don't look at some of the good, we're just bound to focus on the bad and you're just all that's ever going to be is bad. But there will be, I hate the term, the new normal. I freaking hate that term. Hate it. Yeah. Hate the new normal. It's just normal. Like what's, so we're like, well, let's get back to normal. Okay. Well, normal is a ever living construct because Kim Kardashian could not have been on television in 1985. There's no fucking way Kim Kardashian's butt and cleavage would have, like, it was taboo for Peggy Bundy to be on TV. That was a taboo show. Yeah. Right? And on the flip side, Archie Bunker was super racist. Super. Super racist. Right? Mm -hmm. But the Jeffersons, we're super racist on the flip side of that, right? Yeah. Neither one of those shows could be on TV today. None of them. So what's normal? What's the standard? What's the normal changes? It's always changed. So it has to change, right? Correct. As we learn more. But it doesn't have to be the new normal. It's just normal evolving. Isn't tomorrow the new normal? Like whatever is tomorrow is the new normal. Yeah. 10 years from now, what we're talking about might just be old hat. Mm-hmm. and boring and stupid it has to be right well think about this uh i'm 44 in my lifetime i went from having no computer to the first apple IIe computer playing oregon trail to having dial-up internet yeah modem. slow modem dial-up aol <laughs> one of 75 800 aol numbers that you could get into maybe and to having gigabit download speeds yeah and uploading podcasts digitally uh it's a lot of leaps technologically yeah in that short of time and it's compressed every year so medically when you look at the medical side of it we went from not being able to implant pacemakers to doing multitudes of different sized mri safe pacemakers in patients right uh from the cardiac side and there's other versions as well. We went from never having done open heart surgery to doing that as a outpatient normal stand, not outpatient, but a standard of care. Yeah. We plan for it. We schedule it now as a, not an emergent event, but a, you know, pretty regular event. Well, there's a, there's a, there's like a, a hockey stick. Okay. And the hockey says the curve. Cause okay. I always, I always had that argument too. Like, like for me inter- internalized, like, how can we go from like throwing rocks, you know, 50,000 years ago. Right. To, to then, okay, we now have invented electricity. 
Mm-hmm. And then now we're, you know, we're, we're flying people to the moon or Mars or wherever we're going. Right. And, you know, they always say it's like if you took a hockey stick and you stood it upright, so you, the curve, it's really just shoots straight up. Yeah, it makes sense. Right. So we it's want exponential growth, essentially. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. And so, but why, why did it take so long to get there? Why did it take so long? But did it take so long? I mean, who knows? I mean, we could have had that curve, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. I'm saying, did it in our perspective, and then lost been it. here 40 some years. And then the hockey stick fell <laughs> <laughs> and now we're building it back up. I, I don't know. It's like stuff like that. It's amazing to talk about, you know, medical, you know, achievements. And like when I was doing open heart, you know, I remember telling my patients, you know, thank God you're not doing this in the seventies or the eighties. <laughs> right. Where we have to slice your leg wide open to get, you know, veins. Yeah. You don't have now the harvest is like a little surgical incision. It's nothing. (laughs) Um, You know, those kind of NP often. And some of that open heart, you know, I think they're getting to the point where I don't know if they're going to at some point, they may not even crack your chest open at some point. Who knows? Well, so think about Taver, right? So a Taver valve, Mm -hmm. um, which is a trans aortic. Uh, valve that goes in through your femoral artery gets placed inside the aorta for aortic stenosis used to be that it was the only way to replace that valve was surgery you had to crack your chest open cut open the heart sew in a new valve sew the heart back together sew the chest back together long recovery now it's being placed peripherally Mm -hmm. go in it's even now listed as a low risk procedure when it hit the category at the beginning of this year, it's become a lower risk procedure. Wow, that's so insane. I mean, it's still risky in the fact that it's on the heart, but it's it's not the super elevated, super high risk that it used to be, right? It used to be only for certain patients that were at high. Now, there's going to be more people that are going to be getting this procedure for a multitude of reasons because the risk is lower. For developing a mitral valve that can be replaced that way as well. So the mitral valve will be replaced through the aortic valve. You push through the aortic valve and deploy the mitral valve and open up the mitral valve and put a pro. It won't be a prosthetic. It'll be, it will be a prosthetic, but it won't be a sewn in prosthetic. It'll be a deployed peripherally prosthetic. Edwards is working on one. And I think there's a couple of Medtronics probably working on one as well. So you're going to see in our lifetime, a lot of this technology is going to come out that you're going to do peripherally and you're going to be outpatient procedure. And you're not going to do everything in a hospital. You're going to do things at a surgical center. You're not going to go to the hospital to have it yeah. done. You're going to be an outpatient surgical center. Hospitals is the last place somebody, well, at least the insurance companies would want people to go to. It's most expensive. It is. And they want to save money. So you're going to see a lot of outpatient procedures being done at non-hospital-based clinics. So last topic is the one that's on everyone's storyboard today in the news is the horrible death of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Did you see the video? Did you watch the 10 minute video? I, I watched the condensed version. Okay. I watched the entire video because I wanted to see what, what happened. I wanted to see for myself what everyone was up in arms about. And I got to tell you, well, before I give you my perspective, what is yours? Well, from what I saw, mm-hmm. um, my feeling was, I, I, I mean, 
I don't see. The thing is, is I, I don't know what they said. I don't know what I don't, I'm saying. The medical side of it, having seen patients that have died in the ICU. Yeah. Having been next to patients that have been ex, terminally extubated and passed away. Medically, what is your feeling on what you saw? You're talking about him applying pressure to the to the carotid sinus, to the carotid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was absolutely uncalled for. Correct. It was. I don't know what more you could have done. Besides what he did, like he killed him. Yes. Well, that's that's where I'm at. I mean, and someone said, "Well, how do, you don't know that? How do you know?" I said, "Well, I just look at it from the medical side. Yeah. So if a patient came into the ER." I don't care what made them come to the ER. I don't, I don't care what brought them there. I don't care who they are at no point in time is my treat. Does my treatment consist of a knee to the neck for 10 minutes? Right? No, not even if you're acting out. No. How many psych patients have we taken care of? Never has that been a therapeutic response. Nope. For an aggressive argumentative, angry, throwing things at you, psych patient. The stereotypical treatment is show a force, multiple people. Yeah. Take help. down. You, take, get, you might take the patient to the ground. Yeah, you would. That's you a would. real scenario in a hospital. Yep. Aggressive patient, fighting with staff, take the patient to the ground. I've never. But we would never throw a knee to the neck. No, never. It wouldn't even be a restraint tactic in the hospital. It's not even, like, it's not even. Not even, it wouldn't even come to our head, and, not under our mind. And I worked at a trauma one here where we've dealt with restrained patients, handcuffed inmates from the prison would come to get medical care. They're in handcuffs, oftentimes in leg shackles and handcuffs. Sure. Never dawned on me to like press my knee into their neck and shut them down. But he's not medical, right? No, he's a cop. He's a cop. Right. So what training? Did he have to have what, I, what I part of know. a cop's That's, training is okay for somebody to throw a neck, uh, a knee to the that, neck that I can't attest to because I don't no, I'm not I'm even going to pretend to know that. I don't know what they at, go through. They, they have ha- a hard job. I get it. I'm not. Yes, I get it too. But even with handcuffs, like, is he going to break out of them? I, again, I don't know, but I'm just looking at it from the medical side because people have argued that this gentleman, George Floyd, that he, had drugs in his system. There's been arguments. There's fentanyl proof. There's proof there's fentanyl there. Yeah. There's proof that there's uh, probably methamphetamines there, right? I think it was fentanyl meth, if yeah. I remember right, in the one of the autopsies. And I said early on to somebody, I said, you watch, Michael Bodden's going to come out and he's going to say it's not true. And sure shit, he did. It was Michael Bodden. Came out and said, nah, there's carotid sinus pressure, caused blood flow to decrease to the brain. You know, you saw the guy lose. He became incontinent. Yeah. You know? Um, lost control of his bladder and shut down slowly. But how many of those people, though, just those people, plain, in, meaning the people that were doing the drugs and you know yeah. those type of people, right, that were on said drugs, mm-hmm. become like superhumans, right? They're they're extremely aggressive, extremely strong on fentanyl. Not necessarily unless you wake them up quickly with Narcan. What else? PCP for sure. I'm just saying. I mean. Before not knowing he, what he had in his system, right? You know, I've seen things out there where people were doing, um, what are they call bath salts, 
Mm. Right. Yeah. And they were like eating people's faces and stuff. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Mm. And people, yeah, some I've of these people too. are extremely strong. Absolutely. Extremely dangerous. Absolutely. I don't know what he had in his system. I don't either. And but at no point in time was, would we as, but what I saw from a medical, the neck from a medical perspective, I didn't see anybody. I didn't see him so agitated. Now I could not see behind the car. Correct. From the yeah, angle that I was watching. I couldn't either, but he didn't seem to be. Fl- he like, got him he, down. Yeah. But you're saying he wasn't like flailing on the ground kicking and fighting or whatever because his head wasn't moving around. Or yeah. What? Yeah. And it didn't seem like he was, you know, super aggressive. The like, officer didn't seem super aggressive to hold him there. No. He, was, he didn't look like he was struggling to hold him there. No, I didn't. It was one person. No, it was actually three people. Holding him, holding down? him down. There I was only two, saw the one. Right. So there's a there's a view from the back of the of them from across the oh, street. Nice. There's a video camera from the back that's been posted. Yeah. And there's two officers, one on his back and one on his legs, and then the officer with the knee to the neck. So there's three people on top of the guy. That's why he's saying he can't breathe because there's one guy on his back. Yeah. Holding his chest to the ground. I mean, this is a dicey conversation. Right? It is a dicey conversation. And I'm for just, the two people out there, I just want to say for both of you. It's just, it needs to be talked about just from a, just from two people just having a conversation. We have to have this conversation because if we don't, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, we're not speaking for the great, greater United States. We're just speaking. No, speaking as two guys talking about what the world is discussing right now. Yeah. And I have to look at it with, so Everyone couches their viewpoint from their perspective. The people screaming at you to wear masks and freaking the Karens of the world. If you look at their perspective, they probably had someone pass away from coronavirus. Or they may be an ICU nurse that worked straight days, days upon days in a row. And their only viewpoint is from the ICU full of sick Corona patients. Yeah. And then you got... Someone from Wyoming who's like, this is the dumbest thing ever, this whole mask wearing thing, because they haven't seen a corona patient, period. Haven't seen one. So I have to look at this from my perspective of the medical side. Yeah. And view that if someone came to the hospital, no matter no matter what the reason, let's forget the drug part of it. Everyone's going to die at some point in time. That's the given in life. We all die, mm-hmm. right? There's no everlasting life. So if my patient was terminally ill with cancer, forget the drug part, terminally ill with cancer, uh, intubated, and they're going to be extubated, terminal extubation. And I, after I extubate that person, I speed it up. I speed up their death by placing my knee on their throat. Am I going to jail as the nurse? Of course you are. <laughs> okay. That's my that's my point if here. If there was video evidence showing that. Well, if there's a witness, period. There didn't right? need to be video evidence. Karen could be upset at me and say that I I'm just saying yeah. there could be evidence that shows that I would I would never in a million years do something like that. No. But forget well the you, race point. Forget you, the yeah, drug point. Forget yeah. all of that shit. But you don't you see you're talking about perspective. Right. We don't know what that cop's perspective was of him I, I what don't. history they had right 
in the past. I mean, I have oh, no that's idea. A, there's going to be some crazy story come out. I'm right? sure. So you still we, doesn't explain why as, you would do that. But as medical professionals that get the same crazy person that comes into the hospital every once a week. Yeah. The frequent flyer. You're just like, Oh, here we go again. Like, here we go. And then maybe at some point you interact with these people enough that you're just sick of it. Not that you want to put a knee to the neck. No. But do you, do, do does it change your way of caring for that person if you've dealt with this person for so long? I would say you would. I, I think you. Because a lot of people. I, I think if you're honest with yourself, you get hardened for sure yeah. to a person coming in asking for a turkey sandwich every day in the ER. Right. They're, they have no medical problem and they come into the ER, homeless patient. And I think as a medical professional, you get sort of browbeaten and you it beats the care out of you. But I don't think it's just the patient. I think this is a systemic problem in the medical community that we can address down the road. This is a bigger conversation than the end of this podcast. Yeah. But I think, you know, other people have talked about it, how you develop what do they call it? like caring burnout, right? So you get burned out and you have, you lose the ability to care for the person that's cried wolf a hundred times. Yeah. They come like when you, if, if you come to my ER and I know the patient by name, that's a problem. But what if this person came to your ER and you knew he was a murderer? Does some, does anything like that change? No. Not for me. Like if you knew he just got out of jail for murdering his whole family or whatever, or some weird thing like that. I don't know that when I'm treating him in an ER acutely. I don't know why they're there. Well, I mean, if you, if it was a famous scenario, you know, that what, you know, it's 20 years later. So OJ so Simpson or what I'm just yeah. showed up. Do to you, the ER. do you change your care because I, you know what he has done? I personally don't, but I can't speak for Are everybody. Are you, do you, do you, well, I'm asking you, right? So yeah. do you take a step back? Are you more hesitant to, to provide care to him or, or anybody that, that you feel threatened? Potentially? No, no. I mean, threatened how, like he's physically threatening me and I'm worried well, about Well, that my he safety? has, that he has threatened or anybody that has threatened. Could you be at risk for that? I guess I don't understand the question. Uh, you know, like, okay, so it's your, you know, his background. I know this hypothetical person's background. Yeah. I know that this hypothetical person has harmed people in the Correct. past. He's been convicted, tried and convicted of murder. And he comes walking through your door needing help. Okay. Are you just going to, obviously as a healthcare worker, you're going to help, right? Yeah. But would there be some, would you have some apprehensions about apprehensions help? about I personally know I would not. I honestly, I can say for a fact that I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I like there again, you know, we we as healthcare workers get, you know, what desensitized and absolutely doesn't mean I wouldn't. But on the flip side, if the patients, you know, treats me with disrespect after I've tried to be nice to them. Yeah, I probably won't be as kind back. Right. So you got someone who comes in, young patient, upset, angry, you know, wants help and all the testing gets done. There's nothing off them and they need to be discharged. Yeah. And they start throwing things and they're mad. I can't be discharged. I can't go home. F you. And, 
hate this place. I'm never coming back. Yeah. Most nurses would be like, please don't come back. Yeah. Please. Like, have a great day. Right. Mm-hmm. Good luck. See you later. And you kind of remember that person. So the next time they come back, you're probably not as nice of them. But if it's the average Joe off the street or if it's even a famous person that comes in, regardless of the reason. Yeah. I mean, I guess from our perspective, you know, it's like apples to oranges because if I was a police officer and knew a guy who is a new of a person who has all these symptoms, you know, all these things going on with them, they've, you know, they've robbed people. They've been convicted of it. They have all this stuff. I think I would be, I I would take maximum precaution. Yeah. I and I, I can't say what I would do in that situation because I'm not a cop. I can only look at it from the emergent room, emergency room perspective, you know, or if they were a patient, a cardiac sure, patient but, of mine. But from the cop's in. perspective, he's not looking at it from a medical perspective of, oh, my knee on his neck isn't going to kill him. No, but he wouldn't know that because he's not medical. Fair enough. But at some point in time, you got to know the someone goes limp. Like how many times have you seen a patient that was like talking to you and then all of a sudden wasn't well, and then you went, Oh crap. Are they awake now? Most nurses who worked in a critical care role, not all, but most nurses who worked in a critical role should be able to tell you a story of a time that they nurse dosed a patient with a medication when the doctor ordered, you know, one of Ativan and there was two in the vial and they pushed two. Sure. Old nurses will tell you stories about this all the time. And I say old, not physically old, but experienced nurses will tell you they've nursed us to patient. And then, like, oh, crap, did I, you know, yeah. what I do? Will they wake up? Is it okay? Okay, they're still breathing good. Let's put them on a monitor because they weren't or whatever in the ER because you're trying to get the patient to calm down. Right. That's a real worry. Right. So you yeah. give someone a B-52 and you don't know if they're allergic to any of the drugs. You don't know what's happening. You know. You worry about that stuff, but the patient goes limp and then you react. This guy went completely limp. And nobody reacted. Nobody. No one even said boo. That's the concern. It wasn't that he didn't know that carotid pressure would, whether he did or didn't, I don't know. Yeah. But even hypothesizing that he didn't know, the patient went freaking limp. The prisoner, the person who was in their custody, I'm sorry, when you take someone in their custody, you're responsible. The hospital is going to ask you why a patient fell. Yeah. Right. That's true. Patient falls. Now patients capable of walking, they're ambulatory, they're, you know, good on their feet, able to move. Nurse is going to have a hard time explaining why a patient fell. Yeah. I don't, I, in a hospital for the record, I don't think me and you disagree with, you know, I don't think we're, we're, I think we're on the same side as saying, that what he did was absolutely wrong. Absolutely. I yes. just, I just, we're just trying to think of other reasons why somebody would do that or, I, I can't or rule out of, of. I, I don't, I don't think there, I don't think there's a defensible position to, to do that to some, I just don't, I can't, I don't see it. And again, I'm not a legal scholar. I know nothing about arguing about the law. I know nothing about nothing. I know nothing about nothing. But a lot about a little stuff. I know a lot of little things about nothing. <laughs> but I, 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 well, oh, bottom line is, you know, we, we live in this society. Everything's being videotaped. Like yeah. I feel, I feel bad 
because not just the police officers that didn't say anything to this guy, that nobody around them said anything. Like, there was people around. There was there's there was a nurse. There was a medical professional standing by, and she was screaming at the do- at the. At I'm the saying the people cop. videotaping. That she was right. Scenario. Yeah, she was right next to the person videotaping. She's like, "Is he even breathing? Get off of him! Let me check his pulse." She was begging to help. And in the video, and you can't get into that crime into that scene. She would have put herself. She'd have been arrested if she had Correct. pushed through, and she'd have been in jail, and there would have been a whole scuttle. That's the sad thing. Like when you right. see an injustice, right? Medical justice. You can't even say As a anything. Medical professional, about it. you can't do anything. Yeah. But if this happened in an OR, and there was a doctor who was going to amputate the wrong leg, and I didn't step in and say something, I would be culpable. Yeah. If I knew, but you wouldn't be if it was say an accident on the road and you came, you know, what do they call that? Um, you know, when you go and you, you help them out. If I put a tourniquet around the guy's neck, by <laughs> all means, I'd fucking be no. culpable. Not if you were, not if I'm just a bystander, if I'm if an you, average if, Joe, no, no, but, I don't think but if a, I showed up. I don't think average Joe Sits there and says, oh, let me, st- you're bleeding from your cheekbone. Let me put a tourniquet around your, your no, neck. No, that doesn't happen. That's my point, right? Uh, if the average Joe knows that's not appropriate, then this cop should have known that wasn't appropriate. He should have. So, I mean, you just, made, the you, just made, price. you just made the argument that he, sh- the average Joe knows that if a, you shouldn't put a tourniquet around someone's neck. Yeah, right. Maybe applying pressure from the knee and the body weight is similar to a tourniquet around the neck and shouldn't be done either. That's yeah. well, if the average guy knows that, is it, this guy not, is he, is he too dumb to be average? Is this cop too stupid to be an average guy? No, he's, he's done a lot of things. He knows. Okay. So if he knows, then he knows, right? right? If you take just his history or how many counts that he had, right? Who the cop? Be the cop. You knew he was a bad apple to begin with. That I don't know. I I haven't looked. I only looked at that. Watch that video, and everything I'm judging is. Based it on sounds the like video. both guys are bad apples, right? Doesn't. It, it, but even if you had two bad apples, you one two doesn't justify. Apples, and you had two good apples. It wouldn't matter. One doesn't justify the other. Oh well, I mean, if he pulled out a gun, if this is all hypothetical, I'm why why while he was handcuffed? So, <laughs> but so, it still doesn't give you the right to kill him. You're saying that Gandhi is on the ground. Very good guy. He's laying on the ground and Jesus has his knee in his neck and kills him. And you're like, those are two really good guys that locked the earth at some point in time. Yeah. Right. So it's two really good people, arguably great people. And you're going to say, uh, Jesus was in the right. No, he never, never was. I'm not saying it was in the right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm not arguing that fact. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just saying what he absolutely, we, we, this is what I'm getting at. What he absolutely did was wrong. We, we totally yes. understand that. No, I'm, I am behind the charges, whatever they be for this officer. I don't believe he should. Yeah. I don't think, I, I, I don't know how many people out there thought he was in the right. I don't, think, I, I don't think anybody, I have not found yet one person that thinks that that police officer was in the right. Okay. So I haven't heard one, met one, talked to one, seen one on the news. There's not a single person that I know personally that felt he was ever in the right. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, I, my heart goes out to George Floyd's family for what happened. Sure. It's horrible. I, you know, I don't agree that it happened. I think it's a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, and from the medical side with the whole 
autopsy coming out saying that you know he wasn't strangled no he he wasn't strangled that's evidence from the video yeah so the autopsy paints this narrative that he wasn't strangled when you get strangled generally your hyoid bone can get crushed trachea there's a lot of damage to the anterior surface of the neck well there was no pressure on the anterior surface of the neck but he could have occluded enough blood flow to the brain or provided an accidental or intentional either way carotid massage to slow the heart down enough yeah. that he went Brady and ended up passing out and the heart just stopped. Would that be the angle he would need to play? Uh, <laughs> the, the officer, there's going to be a lot of there's, angles. There's, I'm assuming that's gotta be up. one of them. There's, there's going to be, it angles. was accidental. Trust me. Think about all the stuff that happens in the hospital and how many lawyers are employed to defend everything that goes on. How many doctors do you know that have done sketchy shit that never get caught or in trouble? Sure. Not even the the president. The president. Even said we are investigating this. Correct. I mean, again, there's plenty of people in plenty of different positions that have done crazy things that get away with shit. Right. Yeah. Until it's recorded. Um, and placed on Twitter or Facebook, wherever it went. That it went viral. TikTok. Was it TikTok? No. I don't even know. I fucking hate TikTok, by the way. Speaking of transitions. Why? It's, it's quick and easy. You know, I just, I'm watching these kids in the grocery store. I think they're having seizures, but they're not. They're TikTok dancing. Randomly. I haven't seen anybody do a TikTok dance, though. So. Oh, yeah. yeah my, Live. My, my, my kid. My kids will do it. Oh. My, my stepdaughter, my daughter, they will just practice doing TikTok dances. And then I was in the grocery store the other day and some young girl was like shaking her arms, doing this weird dance. And I asked the dad, I said, she's TikToking. He goes, yeah, it's weird. I said, I know it's totally weird. I don't get it. But like, you know, I've turned into my father. I don't get what my kids, my, my dad was like, you listening to poison and Motley Crue. And what's all this shit you're listening to? Who the hell? That's, that's weird. Stupid. (laughs) Yeah. My dad didn't get me either. You know, and you don't get your kids. Right. Yeah. That's I, I mean, the circle I, I, of life. It is the circle of life. <laughs> but the TikTok thing to me is just weird. I don't, uh, don't subscribe to it. Not yet. I'm yeah, fair enough. I'm the new normal, right? <laughs> I fucking hate that term. It's, new normal. It's the new normal. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, really appreciate Ron being here. We're going to see if we can get, make him a permanent fixture to this thing so we can have actual true discussions about shit that nobody else wants to talk about and uh, see if we can get some people in here to teach you guys, both of you that are listening out in the ethos in the world, uh, teach you some insider information. That's not so stereotypically stuffy from Mm -hmm. the medical community. I have some friends that were our nurses in New York. Maybe we can get one of them on. Oh, that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear their perspective Yep, because, uh, they're definitely going to have a different viewpoint on absolutely all of this. Absolutely. You know, so, all right, you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to medically unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like share and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.